which is that little clamp thing that goes on in the guitar. And once we started singing, I thought to myself, ah, I don't think I was supposed to put this on here. And I wasn't. Uh, so, but once we launched into the thing, it's good to keep going. So, Matthew 24 this evening. Matthew 24. We'll be just sort of briefly uh, pulling three, um, three truths, three reminders um, from Matthew 24, from verses 29 to the end of the chapter that I think would be good for all of our reflection. And so we are not going to go phrase by phrase as we did with Thessalonians this morning, but we're going to look at three key truths um, from this text together. So uh, I, won't, I won't read um, the passage together. We'll just jump right into it. Uh, but if, if I can, I'm going to ask the Lord uh, for his help uh, briefly before we um, study his word together. So let's pray. Father, we need your help to understand your word. Uh, we are uh, a blessed people, a privileged people, uh, for you to um, choose to speak to us, to teach us, to um, give us the way back to yourself um, through your word incarnate, Jesus Christ, but all, also how we know it, it's the word written down. And without this, uh, we would not know you, and we could not walk f- in faithful obedience to you. And so I pray that we would keep that as a reminder every time we come to your word and the weight that it carries. Help us now as we um, look into it. Teach us. Open our eyes, Father, so that we might behold and contemplate wondrous things from your word. For it's a Christ name that I ask these things. Amen. King Jesus is coming back. Are you ready for his glorious return? He is coming back. Are you ready for his glorious return? The first truth. I only have 20 minutes tonight, by the way. I was instructed very strictly. So once we get to 48, that's it. Okay? So the first truth that I would like to draw your attention to this evening is located in uh, 20, chapter 24, verses 29 through 31, that King Jesus will return. If you notice in verse uh, 30 of chapter 24, uh, Jesus, this is considered the Olivet Discourse. Um, he is answering two questions that we'll come to in a minute of his disciples, but this is the first truth that I'd like to draw to your attention, that King Jesus will return. Notice in chapter 24 and verse 30, Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. King Jesus will return. We often explain the good news of Jesus Christ by explaining his perfect life, his sacrificial death, his burial, and his glorious resurrection. And Paul gives us an explanation of the gospel in 1 Corinthians 15. He uh, he died, he was buried, and he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. But Paul goes on in that account in 1 Corinthians 15 to speak of the rule of Christ. He quotes from Psalm 110.1. One of the I think it's the most quoted psalm in all of the New Testament is Psalm 110.1. He begins the psalm And Paul quotes it in 1 Corinthians 15 that he, being Christ, he must reign until he puts all enemies under his feet. Um, Often in my uh, sharing of the gospel or even speaking of the gospel, 
the good news of the kingdom that I often leave out is the fact that Jesus is coming back and he is king. This rule of the Messiah through whom God is going to put the world right again is the good news of the kingdom. Isaiah 2 speaks of all nations streaming to the mountain of God one day up to Christ in Jerusalem where he will one day rule. Isaiah 9 speaks of the eternal father, the prince of peace, the mighty God coming. It goes on to say there will be an increase of his government and of peace there would be no end. There was this good news that Messiah was coming. Yes, for salvation, for forgiveness, but he came to rule as a king. He came to rule specifically on the throne of David. If you'll remember in Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, when uh, Daniel has this vision, in the night vision it says this, the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven, presented before the Ancient of Days, which is God the Father, And to him, being the Messiah, the Son of Man, was given dominion and glory and a kingdom full of every peoples, nations, and men of every language that they would serve him forever. This dominion is an everlasting one which will never pass away, and his kingdom is one that shall never be destroyed. The Old Testament anticipated a day when Israel's king would finally come. So in Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus comes and proclaims the good news of the kingdom, and then in Matthew chapter 28, when he tells his disciples that he has been given authority in heaven and on earth and to go and make disciples of all nations, this was the good news of the kingdom. See, we are still waiting for our king to return and establish his kingdom. But the foundation of Christ's kingdom is spiritual. The way that we get into his kingdom is by, he said, repent. Get ready. Be prepared. You must be born again, he says to Nicodemus, in order for us to enter into his kingdom. Yes, the good news of the kingdom is not just that Christ came and now people can go to heaven, but it is ultimately the good news that God has come to rule this world and to bring about redemption and salvation and one day set the world right through his king, being Christ, the Messiah. And for those of us who are followers of this king, we await his return. We urge men and women to be reconciled to God through this king. And the way that you and I are prepared or prepare ourselves and are ready for this return of this king is not only to respond to who he is and what he has done, but to live in faithful obedience to his rule until the day that he returns. So King Jesus is coming back. He will return. But secondly, I want us to see in verse 36 that the timing of King Jesus' return is unknown. If you'll notice, um, well, let me back up. Whenever the subject of our Lord, our King, is brought up, is raised, the question is usually asked, when will he return? It's the same question that even Jesus' followers had. This is what Jesus is doing, actually, in chapter 24 and 25. He is answering the disciples' question, if you look in verse 3 of chapter 24. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, 
saying, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? They're asking, when will the king bring the kingdom? When will he come back? When will he return? Now, as we look into the rest of these verses together, we should not think of this passage as simply a demonstration of Jesus' power to forecast the future. What we have here is Jesus giving a series of prophecies designed to prepare his followers for the king's return. The point of Jesus' teaching here is not to give us enough hints about his second coming so that we can spend our days sitting around and speculating about when we think he's coming back or when we think the end of this world will be. Jesus is clear. Look in verse 36 of chapter 24. But concerning that day and hour when he will return, no one knows. No one knows. He goes on to say, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the only person that knows is the Father only. No one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor did Christ in his humanity have conscious awareness of the precise time of his own return. The only person who knew and still knows is God the Father. Nothing could be more clear in this text other than the fact that Jesus is coming back one day. But we do not know. We do not know when our king will return. And if you, if you uh, flip to um, verse 42... Jesus continues this theme of the fact that King Jesus' return, the timing of it is unknown. Notice in verse 42. Jesus says, Stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. In verse 44, Therefore, you also must be ready. Why? For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And later in verse 50, The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he does not know. So how are you and I to be ready for something that we have no specific forewarning of the timing? A a mother's worst nightmare or a wife's worst nightmare is to have unexpected company. Because anytime someone's coming over for a visit, the house is supposed to look as if no one lives there, right? Um, this, is just, this is just the reality. So how are you and I, we, we don't do well when there's due dates uh, that aren't actually due dates, right? I'm trying to think if, if I go to seminary and I have my syllabus at the beginning of the semester and there's all these due dates for projects, but there's actually no date connected to it. It's just sort of like, yeah, Every assignment is actually eminent. You, just, there's, you don't know when it's going to be due, but at any point in the semester, the c- professor can say, okay, this project is due. Okay, you better believe that I will be working on it night and day, just waiting for him to say, today's the due date. Right? It would change the whole dynamic of, of seminary. Okay, but I'm going to go back to my question. How are you and I to be ready for something, Christ's return, when we don't even know when he is coming back? And this is the answer. We have all we need to know in order to prepare for our king's glorious return. And this is, I think this is one of Jesus' point here. 
as we uh, go into and, and look at this last key truth that I want us to, to see from this, this passage. So, okay, so Jesus, King Jesus, will return. The timing of his return is unknown. We don't know when. But I want us to see it from verses 37 to 51 that those who are prepared for King Jesus' return are those who are living in faithful obedience to him. Those who are living in faithful obedience to King Jesus are prepared for his return. I think the implication of Jesus' teaching here at the end of this chapter is it is possible to be prepared for when Jesus returns, but not by calculating the date or knowing exactly the moment when he will return, but by this, a life of constant readiness and response to God's warnings and his introductions. His warning of coming judgment and his introduction of the king. That is how you and I are to prepare for the coming of our king. And throughout this from verses 37 to 51, there will apparently be two categories of people. There will be those who are prepared, being those who do relate rightly to their king, and there will be those who are unprepared and therefore will be lost for all of eternity. So let's look in, in verse 37, picking up where Jesus used this illustration of the days of Noah. Okay, so King Jesus is coming We don't know the exact time. And here Jesus says, For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Here's something that we should know about our Lord's coming. That Jesus will come with judgment. Jesus likens his sudden return to the flood to indicate us that he will indeed, his coming will indeed include judgment. Just as the flood was God's judgment upon the continual wickedness of mankind, so will King Jesus' return include the judgment of all of those who have rejected him as king. Just as Noah and his family were prepared by understanding the warning and then walking in faithful obedience to God, those unprepared by mocking Noah and his God were swept away in the flood of judgment. Unsuspecting people will be in the middle of normal day activities when Christ comes back. Notice how, what Jesus goes on to say in verse 40, to just elaborate on this point. Then, two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. And notice what Jesus says, Therefore stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. Unsuspecting people will be in the middle of normal day activities. Men working in their land, women providing food at the time of our king's return. And there will one be, there will, Jesus will come with judgment of separation. One taken, one left. Just as Noah and his family were saved in the ark, the rest died in judgment. This idea of separation. 
in both the flood and the field and the mill, okay, Jesus' point is permanent division. One, take, one taken and one left. Jesus is making it clear that his coming does not mean that all will indiscriminately enter into the joys of Christ's kingdom when he comes back. Those who have chosen to live without God will find their choice respected when that great day comes of his return. It will be the portion of the godless to be without God forever. So in light of this certainty of judgment, Jesus calls his followers to be prepared. If you'll notice, this uncertainty of judgment is linked right to his command to be continuously ready. He says, look, as in the days of Noah, they were unaware. Two men will be in a field, one prepared, one not. One working the mill, one prepared, or two working the mill, one prepared, one not. Jesus says, because of this, stay awake. For you do not know on what day our Lord is coming. He goes on to illustrate this even further. Notice in verse 43. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you must also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. No thief ever announces when he is about to break into someone's house and steal things. He says, here I come, get ready for me. That would be foolish. Right? If, if the owner of the house knew at what time the thief was coming, he could lax from 8 to 12, and he was coming at 1, he would just be ready at 1, fight off the thief, and then he could go back to bed from, I don't know how long it takes to fight a thief off, 1.15 until he wants to wake up that morning, right? But Jesus' point is that's not how it works. And what Jesus is getting at is constant readiness is the only safeguard against the coming of this king. Only safeguard against the coming judgment. So how, how would you and I prepare for this judgment? Well, this readiness, this staying awake, this being ready that Jesus called for, it's an evangelistic appeal. The only safeguard from the coming judgment of God is to receive the king for who he is. You and I either have our sins paid for on the person of Christ or we are waiting to pay for our sins eternally one day. There is only two people, those prepared and those unprepared. How about for those of us who already have our sins forgiven? There is no condemnation now for you who are in Christ Jesus. And that's where his parable at the end here from 45 to 51 comes in. He says, then who is the faithful and wise servant? This is the reality. All of mankind will give an account for how we used the gifts that God has given us. Everyone will give an account to God for the deeds of this life. Even people who refuse to acknowledge his existence. Every person in this world holds his life, his breath, his energy, his talents, his abilities, his possessions, his time, and every good gift he has is from God 
to be used for his service and his glory. And at the time of King Jesus' glorious return, we will all be held accountable by our creator how we have been using the gifts that he has given us. You and I have nothing apart from the hand of God. Jesus brings up two servants in this closing parable, one who was faithful and wise and one who was evil. One who was ready for his king's coming. The master said, I will be gone. Here are the gifts. Here are this responsibility that I want you to take care of. Be ready when I come back. The master came back. The faithful and wise servant had been faithful with the tasks that the master has given him. But the evil servant was unfaithful. He thought that the delay of the king was an excuse for him to no longer be accountable to the task that his master had given him. God has given every right to demand an accounting of the use of the gifts that he has given us. So our king is coming back. We do not know when, but our Lord has told us how you and I might be prepared. Therefore, you and I should be living in a constant state of preparedness. Nothing that God demands of you, nothing that God demands of me necessitates that we must know when our king will return. Your desire and my desire is to be found faithful no matter when he comes. The Lord's followers should live every day as if it is the day when their king will come back. This faithful servant, as we close, should be our model. He was busy devoted to the task given to him, loyal, obedient. And when his master returned unexpectedly, this servant was ready because he had stayed ready the whole time while his master was away. Constant preparedness is the proper mindset for you and I as we await our return of our king. Our king's delay does not take away the urgency by which you and I should faithfully obey him. We dare not grow lax. We dare not grow lazy. He is coming. It might be longer. It might be tonight. It might be tomorrow. Either way, he should find us prepared for our faithful service to him. I was thinking about this. I think one of the reasons why we don't know the day of Christ's glorious return, because if we did, no doubt we would be tempted to put off or defer our obedience to a later day. If we knew that we had 10 years before the Lord came back, many would, I could imagine, say, I'm just going to live for myself for nine and a half and then repent and begin to live for him right before he comes. But maybe we not do that. Maybe we live every day in constant preparation of our coming king. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the clarity of your word. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to uh, bear our sins upon himself so that we might have forgiveness. But Lord, may we, great, with great patience and t- anticipation, look forward to the day of our coming king and let that motivate us to live in faithful obedience to you. We do not know when, Father, but when he comes, let us be found faithful. Let us be found living in such a way that is using the good gifts that you have given us to honor 
and glorify you. We'll give all the glory and praise for how you work in our lives this week. For it's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen.